Clay, I don't know how, know how much of a Disney fanatic you are. When was the last time you mm. watched the animated Beauty and the Beast movie? Um, geez, uh, it's probably been about twenty years. Fifteen. Mm-hmm. Do you 20? remember anything yeah, about that movie? Years. Yeah, I remember a, a decent amount of it. Um, okay. We've been. I was I was more of an Aladdin person. Yeah. But, uh, Is Aladdin but your favorite Disney Beast, movie? Yeah, it was at the time. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but you know, I, I watched Beauty and the Beast a bunch of times when I was a kid. I don't think know? I don't think I've seen it a bunch. It's always um, just because we have the kids now. We watch more Disney movies. I have not seen Beauty and the Beast in decades, the animated one at this point. But it's mm-hmm. always it was um, it was the first animated film to be nominated for Best Picture. I think if mm-hmm. my if my remembering is correct. But uh, people highly regard it but i never thought of it as one of the special disney movies although it's probably just marketing and stuff because i remember lion king aladdin uh little mermaid and stuff like that Mm. and beauty and the beast felt like right in the middle of it but it never it probably wasn't appealing to a what would i have been like a 10 year old boy that's probably not Mm -hmm. the the 10 year old boy disney movie that you're really excited about but i don't know i haven't seen it forever that's why i brought it up yeah i feel like um at least for me anyway the the early 90s was the the pinnacle of of uh the disney cartoons cuz you had like little mermaid beauty and the beast aladdin and lion king i think all in a row yep. there might be another one in there that i'm forgetting but they were all just like fantastic yeah um and then after that i fe- i felt like they fell off quite a bit but then tarzan just because I was that was like older. the tarzan era i think tarzan, tarzan is considered the end of classic the revival yeah. disney the second hunchback run. of notre dame yep yeah and pocahontas um, was in there too. pocahontas yeah. Yeah. yeah i did i never went in for any of those moana's good then they got kind of weird yeah with, uh, recently they've had Emperor's kind of a, a revival they, they did they got more like historic or something they become like historical dramas and i don't right. know if uh, yeah. i don't know if that was really the direction i wanted to go um but we we watch lion king a lot and we've been watching moana and little mermaid doesn't hold up as well i don't think it's a little bit old at this point sure, um sure but yeah the lion king still holds up and i'll have to check out beauty and the beast because this is a long way of getting around to talking about exile which is the latest Star Trek Enterprise episode we're going to talk about. But it has some things to do with it. So we'll take a break. We'll play a clip from the episode. We'll come back and we'll break down Exile. Hoshi. How did you get on board? board? I'm nowhere near your ship. What do you mean? You're searching for something. I can help. Exile is the sixth episode of the third season of Star Trek Enterprise. It came out on October 15th, 2003. Seven out of 28 in the Zindi Crisis arc, written by Phyllis Strong, directed by Roxanne Dawson, who's been a regular director on the show at this point, or semi-regular, and is known as Blana Torres on Voyager. In-universe state is unknown, 2153. In this episode, Hoshi is contacted by a mysterious telepath who offers her help, who offers to help the Enterprise in its mission, dot, 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 for a price he does do all Mm -hmm. of those things um exile what'd you think of this one um it's a weird one it's a weird episode it's a very strange episode it's fair you know i thought the stuff with um the guy on the ship when he when hoshi was having visions and stuff i liked that stuff a lot i thought it was really creepy um 
I him lurking in the see. shadows like hereditary yeah the, the way that we, we just we just talked about hereditary for yeah uh, ron horror i thought so. i thought the cold open was really good i mm-hmm. mean it was short like they always are but i thought it was effective and creepy and stuff um but yeah once once they they kind of once everything gets going it's it's very strange it's it's really is just like a beauty and the beast thing except the beast looks kind of like that floating head guy from Big Trouble in Little China or something instead of the I think, giant wolf I think he monster. looks like a, a shrimp bull from Red Lobster or something like that. He's, yeah. he's, he's got or a little like, bit of festiveness uh, to him. He looks like in Beetlejuice when they ask him if he can be scary and then he all those like legs come out of his head. Yeah, right. <laughs> he looks like that. Um yeah, it's 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 weird. Um I do have to say not not <sighs> There are certain instances when you do and don't wear pajamas. Mm-hmm. And the situation Hoshi was in, I don't think is a situation where you wear pajamas. I wouldn't wear pajamas. Like, walking around in... Formal pajamas, I'd wear. Evening wear? Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe. I'd wear the, like, the dad from the 50s pajamas in public like that. Where You have a button-down shirt and some pants. But Hoshi's... Um, PG thirteen negligee is probably yeah. something I wouldn't I wouldn't consider wearing in public. No, like that would be the equivalent of, of like me walking around this creepy guy's house who's clearly into me wearing uh, just like gym shorts or something. And I it <laughs> just I, I don't know. Casual. I just I wouldn't. Yeah, I don't know if I'd be ready to get that cat. And she brought like two of them. She had a couple of them. They look very nice. Uh, Amy walked in and odd. said, "Is she is she wearing pajamas?" And I. I couldn't accurately tell. She's like, she's, she says, modern Star Trek is very sexy. Why are they wearing clothes like that? And her bringing that up <laughs> threw me off of whether or not they're actually pajamas. She doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> not, not a Berman fan. Yeah, she's wearing some striking pajamas, uh, as they would say. It's a Hoshi episode. Um, we haven't seen a lot of Hoshi. And let me know what you think about this. The undoing of this episode in a lot of ways. Well, let's get, let's get the bullshit out of the way first, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, Roxanne Dawson is a very good Star Trek director. Yeah. I, I like mm-hmm. her direction in this, and I like every yeah. episode she's directed. I like the direction of it. She she moves it, the, uh, the camera in a way that is obvious but not strange, and it always feels like it enhances the scene that people, when people are doing. She does a lot of um, crane shots where the characters are walking into the castle and stuff like that. It just gives us mm-hmm. this... Um, majestic air to things and they have that sequence where hoshi is talking to this the the guy when he's when she's on the enterprise at the start and she's in the command room or something and all the shots of her appear on the tvs around her yeah and she's I looking like around and stuff like that and that, yeah, that's that cool. cool uh so the direction is really great i just wanted to get that out of the way do you have any thoughts about the direction before we move on no i agree i agree with all that i thought it was i thought it was really well done really um it uh it didn't tick the hammer horror boxes the way that something like sub rosa does but mm. i would say this is a better looking episode than that so. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> which looks like i said on a stage this one looks a little bit more cinematic than that yeah no i thought i thought everything looked good yeah she yeah she moves the camera a lot really well um <clears throat> i thought the performances were good i thought the guy in the makeup was good i thought hoshi was good um i i all I almost fell for the fake out at the end with Archer. 
Um, oh, where he's the double, where it's Tarkin yeah. or whatever, pretending to be Archer. Yeah. Yeah. And the only reason I fell for it was because I when when she's like, yeah, I think I'm gonna go, and he's like, okay, fine. I was like, well, it it, it wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past the show for them to just be like, okay, that's fine. You this character <laughs> this character's not working out. We're just going to abandon. Yeah. I think his name. What is his name? His name is. I think it's Tarkin. Tarkin. I think that's what I'm. It's either Tarkin, Tarkin. or Tarkin. I'll go with Tarkin. Um. Here's the. The problem with the Hoshi storyline, uh, to me, what's the – I don't even know if that matters, really. Maybe we'll get into that. The Hoshi problem is that they're, uh, they're bringing up stuff about Hoshi that I'm going – the show is just making this up about Hoshi yes. at this point for this episode. There's Completely, The only thing yeah. we know about Hoshi – is the fear thing from the early season where she was afraid to be out there and she wasn't sure if she was ready to be out there, which they talked about for mm-hmm. two episodes and then it fell by the wayside. That's the only thing that I feel that this guy is referencing that I have any frame of reference for. His other stuff where he's like, you always feel alone on the Enterprise. You don't have any friends on the Enterprise. You cry at night on the Enterprise. I just, I'm watching it going, this is all totally made up for this episode and I'm not buying any of this stuff that he's saying. So this has no impact on me. Imagine if she was a character that we knew who this guy was bringing up stuff that was actually true to the character. I'd say this episode works better. I was going to say, to be fair, we don't see her a lot, maybe because she keeps to herself so much on the ship. I do. She's crying so much. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll get into that too. But would you agree with that? Or like, is is there a bigger problem with the Hoshi storyline than this, than that? Um, no, I think that's probably because I mean, that's the, the the way that he's going after her is by preying on all of this stuff that is, uh, you know, you could have said anything and, and it, it, it's equally as valid as the stuff he says because we've never seen any of this stuff exhibited it through her character. So it's like, I guess it's, I guess it's to her credit that she can play off of it and make it seem kind of believable but yeah it's not it's not anything that we've we've learned about her before or they've intimated or anything um and i i I don't like it when stories do that because i do feel like it's very artificial um and i i especially in especially in a story like this where it's so different and so off the ship uh it makes it really difficult to care about what's going on because you have no frame of reference for any of this character stuff they're slinging at you well i mean so much of his so much of the tarkin's point depends on him making a good case to hoshi that the audience would believe is a good case right. to stay there right. and that because it's all made up you don't have any connection to him making a good argument for her to stay it just feels right. completely fake and made up for the scene and she's going like yes that's that's true i, I was very sad as a child and it's like well I don't really believe this. Like if he had brought up the, if, if he had brought up the episode where she was turning invisible, I would have felt more of a connection to it than the the this just sort of made up off the cuff stuff. And I think it's the the Tarkin Hoshi storyline really dies for me because unlike Beauty and the Beast, I never feel a good reason as to why she would be convinced to stay. And the curing right. the Zindi weapon isn't a good enough thing. It has to be a Hoshi centric reason for her to want to stay. Yeah, they they don't they don't do anything to make it seem like she would be inclined to stay at all. Um they 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 don't really make his um 
I guess he's a little bit sympathetic because he's so pathetic. Yeah. But his his He's not he's not cruel, which is his positive no, really. He's you know he's well, he's a little cruel. He's a, I feel like if he had more time he would have gotten there. Because yes. he tries to trick her at the end and stuff, and that's not cool. He's he's, but, he's manipulative, uh, but he's not. He he doesn't have yeah. evil ends to his, his goal. Is not evil in and of itself. He's not like once I get a, a you know, once I get her, I'm going to mm-hmm. drain her blood and create a, a weapon of Armageddon status. You know, it's something like that. There's there's none of that. It's just he's. I'm lonely, and I wish someone would stay here with me. Yeah, and I I don't think that they ever. Like the reason Beauty and the Beast works is because the Beauty and the, Belle and the Beast spend enough time together that you see them like starting to like each other. Yeah, you and get to learn they, about the man underneath the beast right, persona. Right, and you don't learn that. You only the only time you learn about him is when she stumbles upon his graveyard full of dead ex wives, companions, or the hell that thing com- was. his partners. Yeah, yeah, his, his, uh, yeah the, the dark secret of <laughs> Doctor Who's TARDIS is where they bu- they bury all the, the uh, dead companions. Yeah, it's just weird. It, there's he's just he comes off as really pathetic, and there's no there's nothing that makes you go, oh, well, you know, maybe. I mean, like the, the only thing that comes close to making you think, oh, Hoshi might stay is when he fakes being Archer and he's like, it would really help us a lot if you stayed. Yeah, right. Like, well, I mean, I guess, I guess so. Um, yeah, it's, it's a weird story. With, with, I mean, th- that is the point. The show is relying on Hoshi sacrificing herself to stop the Zindi weapon being enough. And yeah, I don't know why that doesn't work for me, but it doesn't, it's not really a, I think it's just because Hoshi never Hoshi's so rarely seen on the show that no matter what they give her, I'm not going to really believe that that's a Hoshi characteristic. Like sacking, sacrificing herself for the weapon, it feels like all Starfleet characters do that. It doesn't feel like a particularly Hoshi-centric thing to do, which is why I thought that his plea to her, Tarkin's plea to Hoshi would need to be a more character-driven thing to make me convinced about it. But it didn't work either way. I, I know that they're trying to tie in the Zindi plot and the serialized episode, the serialized season plot to give the rationale for Hoshi to stay. Mm-hmm. It just, it falls flat for me in the same way that the other one does though. Yeah. I, I feel like it might've actually worked better if, if they had floated her possibly staying there forever at the beginning of the story. Mm-hmm. So that's at least at the back of your mind that it's like, she kind of has to make a decision here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, otherwise, yeah, it's, he's kind of going, he's going at her with all this stuff that there's really no, uh, frame of reference for, for the audience. Um, yeah, it's just a, it's just a weird one. It's, I, I, it's tough for me to find another word to use than, than weird because it is, it's so, um, so out of left field and it's just so it falls fairly flat it does um it's it it has um it has the enterprise problem of or something that a lot of enterprise episodes do which is that when we get to the end i'm shocked that there was no escalation of the problem the entire time like i'm I'm spending Mm. watching that storyline going like When's something going to kick in? Like, when's he going to show, right. like, do something or cause some kind of problem that will cause Hoshi to have to actually do something? But it's just he gets slightly more uh, conniving with his trying to motivate her to stay with him. And mm-hmm. it never, 
she never gets into any kind of threat with him. It's never like the the Enterprise says the thing where the power shuts down, but that doesn't really feel very impressive. It just it's a typical Enterprise story problem where it always stays in second gear and it never kicks out of it for any amount of time to make you go like, oh, this was all building to this. It just kind of resolves mm-hmm. itself by the end. And they also, I mean, they do the same thing that they do, well, in a different way, but the same kind of thing where they, the end of the story, she gets back onto the ship and it's like, yeah, he didn't give us anything. And then he's like, hi. Last yeah, I'll time. Give you stuff. I'm, I'm, I'll delete your number after this call, baby. Yeah. I, he, sh- he shows up and he's like, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> She gives him the dumb and dumber thing where she says one out of a million. And he's like, so you're telling me there's a chance. There's a chance. She and, gives him, He uh, gives her the Zindi information. They're going to go to some planet where the Zindi are doing something. And uh, yeah. we'll see if he comes it, through on it. I, I can't decide if I feel like that is more acceptable or just as much of a cheat as what they do thematically in the show where they just have Archer say a thematic line at the end that is supposed to save everything. Are you saying that happens in this episode or are you saying that this is the I'm other saying option? His, his him showing up again and then being like, yeah, here, here's here's your stuff. Feels like the plot movement version of that thing that they've done right, thematically right. where it's like nothing has happened in this story. The sum is still zero. And then in the last five or literally the last scene, he shows up and, and gives him the uh, the piece of the puzzle to move everything forward a little bit. I didn't mind it too much. He he, he had been promising that the entire time. It, it feels yeah. um, it feels contrived for some reason to me. It just feels like I think it's just not a very graceful way to give information about the Zindi, where a guy's just like, mm-hmm. "I'll figure something out and I'll tell you about it." Like it, it feels like you kind of need to tie into why this guy would know that stuff, and they they do it through his crystal ball, I'm assuming, but <laughs> it, it doesn't. It's not like he's a trader who's been trading with the Zindi and has a right. organic it's, knowledge about what yeah. there is. He just kind of comes up with something and gives it to yeah, them at the end. Magic, basically. Yeah, it's magic. Yeah. Yeah. Here's Which my. Is, um, Oh, not super. I was just gonna say it's not super satisfying. No. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe there is something interesting there if you can get into his character a little bit more or something. I don't know. Or make it give her a reason to maybe think about staying. That you know, I don't. Yeah, it's it. It doesn't really work for me. I don't think. Here, let's. Um, something came to me as I was watching it. And let me know what you think about this idea. Mm. This story is Enterprise's take on hardcore Star Trek fans who are enamored with Linda Park. (laughs) Okay. So Um, the reason that the, the mirrors in the TVs are such a focus and that she's in it is because it's about the audience watching Hoshi constantly. And this guy is the Star Trek fan who says, I know everything about you. I've watched all the episodes. Mm -hmm. Like, let me connect with you on some level. Just give me a chance to prove to you that I know you better than anybody else. And Hoshi is going, "Eh, I'll sign your autograph. (laughs) How about you you get out of here? Sure. There's a little bit of that vibe in this, I think. I don't know if it's intentional, but it really strikes me as that kind of a thing where it's it's a fan who has built up a fantasy in their head. And then when he meets her, this is like his James Bond-esque fantasy about how he would woo Hoshi, but he's too ugly or whatever in real life to be able to do it. 
very Beauty and the Beast, but in a Star Trek way of knowing everything about these characters that you're so invested in and it not working on her for some reason. It does. It does feel a lot like in high school when uh, you, you try to talk to someone and you try to keep it on the DL that you've been stalking their MySpace page. <laughs> so you know everything about them. You know all their friends' names, but sure. they don't know that you know that because you've never talked to them before. Right. Yep. Um, yeah, I could see that. I If that's what they were going for, I'm a little bit surprised that they didn't do it with T'Pol because... Yes, that's true. Yeah, sh- Hoshi is, as as it's stated in the episode, she's keeps to herself i.e she's not really on the show a, a ton yeah. yeah um and i don't i was not following it at the time but um it seems like to paul probably got more attention than hoshi did when it was on she However, would yeah i mean hey that's maybe maybe she maybe hoshi's in in high school speak maybe she's the more attainable of the two Yes. And that's th- why that's why they're being creepy with her. Well, I think that to Paul gives off the ice cold vibes that are not conducive right. to this. Like it has to be a more um uh not not uh like an easier target sort of for the for mm-hmm. the and I think that Hoshi fits that better. I don't sure. I don't know that that's intentional here. This is a female writer who wrote this. Um mm which is what kind of gives me some kind of idea that that's, that's almost in the back of her mind, that it seems like it's just kind it's of possible. a, a yeah. creepy guy that keeps coming after you. I don't think that it... Um, the one the downside to it, to that argument, is just that maybe because the episode has to end the way it does, it doesn't really end satisfyingly in a way that it has any kind of statement about that situation. Like, it, it's not right. really... It can't judge him because he has to give the information... And it can't judge Hoshi, so it's just kind of a, this like lifeless ending to it, and it seems like right. it's a better idea than it is an actual story by that point. Yeah, it kind of ends with with her saying, "I like you as a friend," and right. he's like, "Well, fine, I guess." Yeah, <clears throat> just let me know. Uh, just let me know. And yeah. then in that way, it feels like the male fantasy. Someday, <laughs> that's yeah. the male fantasy version that feels like a little bit of a portrayal of the earlier version, where it was just kind of right. a strange character coming after you, but. But that's really all I could think about with it. And I know that's basically linked to the Beauty and the Beasts, sort of, not really, but it's that kind of an idea or that kind of an interaction. But that's the only thing I've got going, and it's the only reason I can explain the incredible focus on mirrors and TVs in this because yeah. it's supposed to be Hoshi on the TV. Yeah, that's that's, that's totally possible. I mean, I, I I don't disagree with that reading. Um, I I do wish that they had something more interesting to say about yeah, it that's the, the typical enterprise thing yeah yeah because i mean it's like oh cool making those references and drawing those lines together but you know in service of what really, right you know what does it mean so uh, we- what i i was just gonna say i what i think might be n- missing and this is not on that wavelength but just like storyline a little bit mm-hmm. is uh if they had if they had given hoshi even if she doesn't, even if you don't do the traditional Beauty and the Beast thing, where it's like she kind, she's kind of into him a little bit, yeah. Um, and so she's kind of thinking about staying. If they had given her something, uh, if they had given her the possibility of learning something that was just blowing the doors off of the knowledge that she didn't have before, for her personally or for the crew, uh, either way. 
just give give her give her some give her a reason to stay we're like if you stay you get access to uh all of our patreon content at the five dollar level <laughs> no <laughs> no but you know like if she if there's something if there's something you know she's she's the uh uh the language person so if you present her with something where it's like staying here gives her the possibility of of learning more about languages of the universe more than anybody could possibly have hoped to have learned give her something that would be a draw to have her stay yeah um, you don't think the despite, zindi weapon so you're you're saying character based and not prevent the zindi weapon in effect right yeah because i mean the zindi weapons that was just fake anyway i mean okay. the 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 thing at the 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 only reason she would have had to stay forever was because of the uh the smoke screen he was doing at mm-hmm. the end it, that was not actually something that had to happen okay. but like if give her give her a reason that maybe she might want to stay like if she doesn't stay she might be giving up something yep um that might be a little bit more interesting uh so that way you have she has to weigh the possibility of attaining something she might want but also in doing that has to deal with this creepy dude versus not staying, not dealing with the creepy dude, and and going back to her her job on the ship, kind of thing. Yeah, I think it's. I don't know if any of that made sense, but it does. I I think what you're you've not seen a lot of Voyager, but you understand the premise of Voyager is that the ship is a very far distance from home by accident, mm-hmm. and they're traveling home the entire series to try to get home. Yeah, the mm-hmm. Voyager take on that would be it's the exact same setup, except this guy's deal is I will I will kick Voyager a million light years closer to Earth if you stay with me. Right, so it's a sure. It's yeah. a sacrifice thing about you get to stay, but you reward the rest of the crew, and whether or not the crew wants to go with that. The Zindi weapon is supposed to be that, but it's just too disconnected. It's too abstract of an idea to like sink in there. And where the the whole point of the Voyager show is to get home, and so someone sacrificing themselves to kick other people to go home mm-hmm. to cut the journey short seems like a better idea than this, which is just. You got you. You've picked up the video game clue to get to the next base, and then we'll continue on our journey from there. And the the Zindi weapon thing doesn't even work in that capacity anyway, because it's only it's the the condition of the of. It's not even a condition. He's just he's just like I would like it if if Hoshi stayed to help me over the weekend. Yep. And then you can come pick her up. It's not like he wasn't going to give them the shit. Yep. Uh, until I mean I guess he he he's a jerk about it at the end but uh yeah i don't even really know that it's yeah it's not you don't not knowing that he found anything i think it hinders that too because up until the scene where he shows up to actually give her the info i just assumed that the whole thing was just a lie and that he you know he didn't find anything he never intended to find anything it was just a a way to get hoshi to try and come up you know there was no indication that he had found something yep. that was going to help them. I think if you're going to use that as an angle on her, there needs to be an indication that he has figured something out. Yeah. Interesting. Because I I kind of thought that he was capable of doing it. I thought it was going to end in a way where he she doesn't stay and therefore he doesn't give anything to them, mm-hmm. which they, they don't. They they go the other way with it and he just gives Which it is away. fine. But they just they don't indicate that he found anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's that's the that's the key. He needs to indicate that he found something that would be important, and that he's actively withholding it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I th- I just think in general it's a pretty uh, flat storyline that mm-hmm. 
you know, doesn't say a lot about Hoshi, doesn't have a lot to do with other than giving this information away, doesn't really have anything thematic to say. What, do you think that they revealed his true form too early? Or to, to fit the Beauty and the Beast, do you think you have to know what he looks like the entire time? Um, yeah, I think it was fine. I actually liked that they... Uh, that at the end he goes back to human form to try and convince yeah, her. Convince her. That was that was nice. I like that bit. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was fine as far as revealing what he looked like. The one downside of the Beauty and the Beast storyline in Star Trek is that unless some character says you're the fucking ugliest alien I've ever seen, it's 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 hard to know whether or not people find things revolting because they run into revolting aliens all the time. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah, it's like yeah, the Beast makes sense because he doesn't look like a man or whatever, but. This guy's got two fingers stuck together and he touches her hand inappropriately and stuff like that. And you're like, is this guy ugly or is this just something weird? She's walking around without shoes on too. Yeah. It's just she's getting really familiar in a place where she should be much more on edge. (laughs) I told you not to come out here. I should have locked the door. (laughs) Let's talk. I'm reading in here. We'll talk about the other storyline, which is the serial storyline that's going on, uh, which is Archer and the Spheres uh, that they're looking for. I am, um, I like this sphere idea that they're mm. doing. Whatever they're doing with it, I find this kind of an interesting idea. I don't, I don't get to the end, and I, I, I feel like I'm above the character reaction where they're like, "Why would anyone set up traps anywhere?" It's like, well seems like they're trying to stop people from finding them basically like that seems to be the reason why you would do this but i I do like the um i'm glad that the sphere is returning and that wasn't just a one-off thing and they just seem like kind of neat it seems like an interesting idea i don't think the subplot is particularly interesting but it just seems like i'm interested in what's going to happen with these things and to see how it resolves itself yeah i liked the final scene with archer and to paul i think more than the other stuff they were doing in the episode with them going to the second sphere and walking around and sorry, what's the what's the ending to Paul scene um, where they're in the command they, center? Is that it? Yeah, where they they triangulate it and to Paul figures out based on whatever that in order for the triangulation to work, there must be fifty of them yeah. as opposed yeah. to like three. Yeah, I like that. That was that was cool. Um, even though <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like whoever built these. If it's the Zindi, they spent a lot of time building fifty spheres the size of small plant, small moons. Mm-hmm. That seems like a lot of time and effort for something fairly nebulous at this point. Th- that's why it seems like it has to be bigger than that. So I, I don't mind yeah. the information reveal. The other aspect I liked is that we've been complaining we haven't seen any anomalies, and this one's the first episode where I feel like you see what the anomalies are doing yeah. to the ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that stuff. Uh, Should have been doing this yeah, earlier. I, they should have been just showing. Oh, the, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why it took some so long to do it. Yeah, I like I like the multiple sphere thing. Um, I I hope it is bigger than the Zindi. Like I hope the Zindi are in also concerned about these things or mm-hmm. something because it seems like it's something bigger. Like you're saying, uh, some a little bit more cosmic, which is fun. Um, yeah. I as for like taking the ship down and the ship floating away and having to shoot the whatever. That was the worst. <laughs> I have to, I do have to say uh, people in the discord were saying that Amy 
and Caitlin should talk about a Star Trek episode. We just take the day off and they sit here and they talk about what they think about Star Trek Enterprise. Um, Amy watched this one with me. And this would have been a great episode for her to come on. I don't, I don't, I don't know if she would do any other, any random episode, but <laughs> she was in hysterics about the landing on the moon and the shuttle flying off sequence because mm-hmm. it's just when you seeing it through her eyes was interesting. I'm just like, yeah, this is an Enterprise thing. This is what Enterprise does. But to her point, right? They land there. The chief engineer fucks up the repair catastrophically Mm -hmm. like it's his job to be able to fix the thing and it just launches it into the air and he goes son of a bitch (laughs) 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 this is this thing is floating away and they are going to be potentially stranded on this alien moon for the rest Mm -hmm. of their lives and he just goes son of a bitch and then their solution is to shoot it with a phaser which Mm -hmm. shuts it off and then it crashes and rolls and stops right in front of them and Mm -hmm. then the kicker of all kickers it just cuts back to the enterprise and they made it home fine no problem it's like what what was the point of that scene it's that's a discovery storyline if i've ever seen one where it's like this problem is not really a problem but they'll dress it up as a problem and i don't understand anything that happened in that sequence because i would have bet my life that the rest of that plot was them stuck on the moon and not being able to find their way home until they eventually do somehow yeah yeah I don't, uh, did they even get any information from that place? Or I don't even remember. No, they why did they go even there go there? Go? They just landed there. Yeah. To... Yep, it's another one. Yeah, it's, it's, it seems it looks the same down here as it does up there. I yeah, don't know. I don't, I don't know, know what the point of that storyline was. Really, did they get trillium D from it? Because they they no, because it's on the shuttle no. already to get. Yeah, there. they put it on the shuttle. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the point of that was. Those was, was pointless. Yeah, I don't know. Any thoughts about the rest of that sequence? Rest of that it scene, was, maybe, or rest of that, yeah, was, that subplot. It was fine, I guess. I, it's such an enterprise really story. It, yeah, it uh, it didn't really make much of an impression. The whole that most of that subplot. Um, terrible CG when the shuttle is just rolling. Toward- yeah, <laughs> I. <laughs> yeah, it, I I was confused because. I thought there was no gravity on the thing, but I guess that's part of the thing is that they all have a gravitational field or whatever. So mm-hmm. I was very confused at how shooting it was going to get it to come back. Yes, I thought yeah. one of them was going to have to like jump and float after it or but something. Yeah, throw the other one at it and sort of yeah, yeah. like missile missile at it and catch it and board it. I yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and just minor like he shoots it the first time. He's like, oh goddamn, Captain, you almost shot the fuselage or something. He's like, oh, I'll, I'll shoot it over there the second time and see if that mm-hmm. works and just collapses. I would have turned to him and been like, this is your fault. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Why did the chief engineer make such an idiotic mistake that launches the shuttle back into space? It just didn't make any sense. I don't know. Was it supposed to be a an expanse thing? Like oh, like an it, anomaly it, caused it to happen. Yeah, like it it reacted differently than it was supposed to, or something. I think or he why just says he. Even... Cr- I think he says he turned the wrong screw, and it it just shot off like that. I don't know. Why did he have to do a repair in the front? I'm like my, my mind is completely blank on this. I can't why, remember. Why did he he does something because they no they have to land because he can't fix something from inside the ship, and then they go out and fix it, and that's what causes it to happen. Some ah, arbitrary. Okay. Did did they get hit by a? Um, it's when they cross that cloaking device. I think an anomaly right. okay. does some damage sure. to them or something. Sure. 
whatever. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I I don't know. Um, I feel like this episode does a lot of its work in the last five minutes. Yeah. Um, the rest of it you can kind of take it or leave it. Like honestly, I found the Hoshi stuff a lot more interesting than that other stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if I would say it's a good plot, but I found it more interesting than the landing the shuttlecraft yeah. on the sphere thing. I, I don't like the the land I, I like the sphere stuff more. Like if I were to rank it, I would say like advancing the sphere idea is probably the most interesting idea that they had. Then it's the Hoshi stuff mm-hmm. and it's the actual mechanics of them landing the ship on the sphere and doing stuff like that. Um the Hoshi stuff should have been front and center, but it just unfortunately was not. So we'll uh take a break. I guess the random fact I'm looking at this is the first episode of Star Trek to air in high definition. Oh really? So we're, we've caught up to the future at this point. I did the did the aspect ratio change? No, it's just the, no. the DVD. Yeah, the they the they always shot it in high def, and you know they shot it on film, and then they can give it to you on the Blu-rays in high def. But this would be the first one that would air in that resolution. Hmm. And then in 2013, Brendan Braga mentioned that he thought this episode was quote pretty crappy. So <laughs> that's that's uh, Braga's opinion about a lot of this. Hey. Stuff. He's an executive producer who knows his show very well. He does. He knows exactly. He's all, he and Berman are not credited again. Are they just not writing anymore? Is that the deal? They, it's true. They get the they get the executive producer credits at the end, but their names have not been on the he's, script. Yeah, he's so still far. he's still show running. So maybe he's just taking a step back or something. Um, I don't know why they would change that. I'm not sure. Unless Rick is using a bunch of different names to get in all these. Nightgown and uh, <laughs> nightgown and rage, Cle- yeah. A lot of lingerie in the past couple yeah. episodes, were definitely- yeah. A lot of lingerie, a lot of uh, quiet dark room touching <laughs> each other scenes. <laughs> Let's take a break. We'll play a clip from the episode. We'll come back. We'll give our final thoughts about exile. Oh, and we'll uh, read some patron thoughts as well. What happened? The port thruster ignited. I can see that. When I was bypassing the last relay, I must have triggered a surge in the propulsion system. Son of a bitch! It's gonna be a long time before Enterprise decides to come looking for us. Can we launch without a port thruster? We can sure as hell try. Whoever gets the first clear shot. Thank you very much for listening to our coverage of Exile today. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hope you're enjoying the podcast as it continues in Enterprise's third season. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash file. You can give, uh, give a couple dollars a month. You get extra stuff. There's a lot of podcasts. There's like 80 plus of them now. Uh, Clay and Amanda are running through all, all the Friday the 13th series. We came out with mm-hmm. Iron Man recently. We did Attack of the Body Snatchers, Invasion of the Body Snatchers the other month. We did um, a couple of Star Trek revisits as a poll that is going to decide what we talk about this month. But there's a whole bunch of stuff. Probably more stuff released on the Patreon than there is on the YouTube and podcast channels at this point, I would assume. But yeah, you're missing out if you're not doing it. But it is much appreciated funny, if you support the show. It's funny how things have swung in that direction because we used to have like four shows going at the same time. Mm-hmm. And now it's just this one, uh, Rotten Horror and Badass is on hiatus, but it'll be back soon. But then we do like a ton of Patreon stuff. Yeah, it's tough to... It's tough to 
tell people about that too. Maybe we should eat. Maybe we should put more stuff onto the uh, the regular channels. But whatever, it's on Patreon. You guys can support us there. Thank you very much. It's very kind, very uh, very much appreciated if you choose to. Special thank you to our Captain Tier supporters. Ben Douglas, Tark Latif, Joint Mango, Kyle Barrett, Mike Burnett, Michael Pond, Matthew Ross, Andrew Cholog, Samuel Custer, Cardinal Doomsday, Matt Cutler, Nick Sergey, Grim Santo, Christian Pouch, Sean, Bradley Killens, Dwayne Hackett, Darth Moss, Kevin Reyes, Jordan Cooper, Vault 13, Hero, Russell Elledge, Rune Vendler, HH28, Stefan Minton, Derek Zajac, Paul Roscoe, Jacob123, Point Extra G, Nick the Rat, Mike Harris, Captain Brazen, Eric Sanchez, Jakey's Gamer, Kevin Lowry, Groppler, John Zorn, Corey Martin, Patrick Seba, William Scheisler, Rayhan Jaffer, Soylent Blue, Zane Majors, Woodrow, Dave Davies, Retail, Olivier Pardue, Wharf's Tiny Brown Dicks, Tom Hickey, Jose Hunters, EWNF Remixes, Captain McMunchausen, and James McLennan. Thank you very much, everybody. Mm-hmm. Gained a lot of patrons this month. It's much appreciated. Thank you, people. Yeah. On Enterprise of all series, this is where we went wrong. Hey, man. Hey, man, how do you know it's not Friday the 13th pulling those people in? That's true, too. It could be. Yeah, it could very well be Friday the 13th. Or just our cover, our, our blossoming coverage of the MCU. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe that was the trick. We just needed to pull that lever, and all of a sudden it's money town. Thank you very much, guys. And so now we'll go to patron thoughts. If you're a $5 patron, you can leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes. We read them, react to them. Here we go. Jakey's Gamer says, Exile, but he seemed like such a nice guy. Matthew Ross says, exile this, a combination. I was just going to say, it is it is very much like a high school thing of someone getting rejected and then being annoyed because, you know, I'm, I'm a nice guy. How come Yeah. How come Hoshi doesn't like me? It's nice guy syndrome, except he's yeah. he's not super nice guy in this either, unfortunately. No, he's really saying. not. Yeah. He's pretty manipulative. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, can you be... If you start complaining about being a nice guy, are you no longer a nice guy? Uh, yeah, I think that's the problem is that it's a, um, I think the, the, the meme, the, the nice guy meme is a, is a, uh, a creation of the fact that those who say it, think it in their own mind, not through the actions sure. that they actually do. Sure. And that's where, that's where the problem lies. Gotcha. Matthew Ross says, exile a combination of Beauty and the Beast and TOS's Requiem for Methuselah and the Elephant Man with what feels like a kit-bash alien headgear. A creepy story, but not in a good way, more in a slow, ponderous, cliche way. Why is Hoshi bringing skimpy skirts to stay in this creepy place? The sphere gravity issues and the cyst-like rippling of the hull was scary as you know this is only, only going to get worse. And where is Mayweather one half of the time? Reading? Three anomalies out of five. Hey, man. She, Mayweather is the only one she was thinking about at the end there. They setting something up? Yeah, that was um, that was an interesting choice to have that. Mm. It, it's a yeah. It, it's just it, it, it's something in the same line as of what the episode's problem is with Hoshi is that her bringing up Mayweather is only something that ticks her off because the script kind of demands it. There's, it's like. Right. It's like, yeah, Mayweather's one of your friends, right? Why is that a weird thing for Archer to say? It's just because she was thinking it at that time that she's like, I was just thinking about Travis and his rippling six pack. Why 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 yeah. you, why do you bring him up first? It's kind of lazy. That thing that she, catching him, her catching him because he says Travis <coughs> only works if she was thinking, man, I will be very happy never to see Travis again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, it right, does, like yeah. if it's if if it, if the thing is like they're buds, and 
possibly Archer would just generally know that. There's no reason to be sus- suspicious of it. Right. But if she's thinking, if he's calling out, oh, you're going to, Travis is going to miss you. And she's like, I don't talk to Tra- Travis. Is, we don't like each other actively. Right. Which I, you know? I don't think those characters have actually ever shared a scene together. So yeah. it would make sense if she's like, I've never spoken to him before in my life. So I know that you are full of shit. It would be like what you would need is if you if you uh if if instead of Hoshi if this was a TOS episode and it was McCoy in the spot in the spot of Hoshi the alien would need to say Spock's really going to miss you and he'd right. be like Spock yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about Jim I hate Spock and you know I hate Spock good example very good example of that uh Nick the Rat says exile I really enjoyed this episode as well Clay, what's the last game you've enjoyed? Ball game. Game? <laughs> Royo the game says, The game Nick the Rat thinks he's playing right now, I Royo, guess. Royo says, Exile, Archer nearly becomes the first Star Trek captain to run himself over with his own shuttlecraft, but because he has the devil's own luck, he manages to survive his own stupidity for another day. I will say that's not Archer's. But that's, that's Trip. This is all on Trip, the fact that he f- fucked up the repair so badly. Meanwhile, in the A-plot, the titular exile has provided Hoshi with a very unconvincing alien dining set. I'll admit, seeing all that fancy silverware for a cheeseburger or a slice of pineapple pizza and mac and It's Hawaiian pizza, I, I assume, because she's from Hawaii in the, uh, the opening sequence, I think, uh, the opening pilot. And mac and cheese was very off-putting Real and quick. suitably unsettling. Real quick. Mm. Uh, is Hawaiian pizza actually something that people in Hawaii eat and have pioneered, or is it just called Hawaiian pizza because there's pineapple on it? I would assume, I would assume they must have because they're always roasting pigs, right? That's like a luau is a thing to do over there, and it yeah, it seems like it should. You think it's more like a? Uh, I don't know what the example would be. You don't is, think it's native it to like, that? You think it's from Nebraska? Gonna, yeah, is it more like French fries than it? Mm. You know, where it's like freedom fries. Yeah, freedom fries. Sorry, excuse me. Yeah, um, I I don't know. I whatever. wonder. Let Doesn't me say. It's delicious, whatever it is. Hawaiian, Hawaiian pizza. I kind of want to know. There's no Wikipedia. You know how there is a Wikipedia you know how, like, page. There is history. It was well, first so, yeah. uh, in Oregon in '57. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> but as Sam Panopopoulos or whatever claimed, he created the first Hawaiian pizza in Ontario, Canada, in 1962. Mm-hmm. So either way, it's like vaguely racist. So. <laughs> that is too bad. I don't like Hawaiian pizza anyway, so I don't really give a fuck about that. Though. Oh, I love, I love, I'm a big fan of Hawaiian pizza. Uh, we actually we actually have the place by us does uh, barbecue. It's called Barbecue Hawaiian, where mm-hmm. it uses bacon instead of the ham. I'd probably Excellent. like that better. I don't like ham Very good. is my problem. Yeah, yeah. We used to have um, like ham steaks when I was growing up. Like my parents would... You know the the slice of ham that you can cut into like little ham cubes, eventually. Sure, sure. Yeah, it, it was it just was get disgusting. like a big, a big two inch inch and a half thick slice of ham. Yeah, and just, just put it chew on the away on it, and you, you get that little Ugh, gristle that. bit in the middle. It's disgusting. Yeah. It's not anything I'm interested in. Um, where's this mac and cheese? Was very off putting and suitably unsettling. Given Brandon Braga, has, given that Brandon Braga has called this episode pretty crappy, I'm guessing the romantic candlelit dinner of fast food was an intentional foreshadowing that the exile was an incel loser. Maybe they'd be better off hiring Anthony Hopkins as the exile and have him serve liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti instead. One point five out of five. Do do do. Um, 
I feel I feel semi bad for the exile character mm. in this. I don't I don't think that he goes far enough to make him a bad person in this, really. Um he has some fairly underhanded things, but he's he could have been a lot worse, honestly. Yeah. Um I think that the show fails him by not making him sad enough mm-hmm. to be effective. Um and that's maybe the biggest problem with him. Cerulio says, this episode is so boring that the only interesting thing for me was to think about the makeup design. I really hated that the alien looked like he had spider legs growing out of his head. I kind of wondered if his species had just snapped them off, uh, if his his species had just snapped them off, if he could have avoided exile. The evolution of Trek makeup has really jumped the shark in this series. TOS was some different colored skin. TNG through Voyager was something glued to the forehead. And Enterprise is stuff glued to the head and then a bunch of crap stuck in it so they have weird spikes. (laughs) (laughs) They do They do seem to only have two speeds on Enterprise, which is either let's silly putty some ridges between their eyes or like full face cast. Yeah, full head makeup. You know, yeah. Yeah. movie level head makeup that, you know, is, is a pain in the ass to wear, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I mean, the uh, the Suleban design is terrible. There was yeah. a there was a tweet about Michael Westmore who's the makeup designer. And it was going through, it was the anniversary, his birthday or anniversary or something. It was going through his career. And it's like, you know, he designs the Klingons. He designs the Romulans. He does the Borg. He invents all these like iconic Cardassian looks and stuff like that. And then the last one is the Suleban. And it's like clearly just the check cashing. <laughs> You're standing in front of my um, my popcorn foam sprayer. And I'll just blast you with this thing. And that'll be the design. It's good enough for me. I, uh, I, I When I was in high school, I knew a, I knew a kid in, in my art class who uh worked with like a lot of spray paint and 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 more like uh industrial type things and one of the things that he had that was super cool was like a spray spray on like rock texture that he put onto a guitar yep and every time i see the Suleban, that's the only thing i could think of is they just like put that person on a lazy susan and just sprayed that shit all over their yeah head they, they look like popcorn nice ceiling like what's no yeah. longer allowed in houses because it's bad for you is what they decided to model is that no longer allowed it's got asbestos in it does it really mm-hmm. i didn't know that yeah huh yeah i lived 25 years in a house with that shit all over the ceiling asbestos is, is the most magical compound it's good at everything and it also kills you so it's yeah it's, it's nature's trade-off uh, a, mon- a monkey, a monkey paw, a monkey's paw. If there ever was one, Cerulio gives it a one out of five. Next comment is Cardinal Doomsday. I still don't know how I'm saying that incorrectly, but I'm going to say it again. Cardinal Doomsday says, "Exile. If Tarkin is such a powerful telepath, why does he? Why doesn't he convince Hoshi to take over Enterprise and find him a new planet? Creep. Watch Metamorphosis instead. Two bouncing shuttle pods out of five. Telepath does not explicitly imply." Mind control. He's Is that convi- what he's implying? Uh, con- uh, I guess. I guess he needs to do a better job of convincing in general to do things. Yeah. I, mm. He should probably come with that. I didn't know if, didn't know if the implication of the, the comment was that he should have mind-controlled Hoshi into taking over the ship. Or I, think that, I think that is the implication, but he could okay. also just ask her, I don't want to be alone anymore. Do you mind if I go with you guys and you can drop me off somewhere? Yeah, I know that was also an option. <laughs> there was nothing keeping him there, right? <laughs> no. That's I, what I mean. That's what I mean. There, there needs to be something that is worth staying for or right. a reason yeah. why he can't leave or something, something else other than just like 
hi, I'm sad and I have a crab head. Would you like to stay with me? Because he, he can even take his crystal ball with him. It's not like it yeah. was a rock formation that he has to run up to and rub or something. He carries it yeah. around. It fits in a bag easily. Yeah. Bring some books. Stow it in the overhead. Thank you very much. Latte Librarian says, Hoshi gets catfished by an abusive telepath in the Star Trek take on Beauty and the Beast. Archer was extremely irresponsible captain to leave a crew member alone on a planet with an alien they had just met who can influence minds and had already lied to them once. At least he made sure That's that Hoshi point. had a gun. It seems like an ancient book in a dead language that Hoshi magically translated in a few days is key to the species that created the spheres. If they really wanted to make it accurate to high school, he, <laughs> Hoshi would be left behind with somebody else. And the guy would just be like quietly annoyed because there was another person there the whole time. Like, this was supposed to be us. But she, she's brought her friend. And, and he sits between us every time we watch a movie. <laughs> yeah. Is this your castle? Whose castle is this? Oh, this is an interesting. Yeah. Point. What the hell is that place? Interesting. Did point they ever here. get into that? They didn't. No, he just he built it, I guess. Whittled, whittled it with his companions. It seems like Sweet. the ancient book in the language that Hoshi translated is the key to the species that created the spheres. I did not make that connection. I didn't put that together either. We'll see. That that's that's one of those subtle enterprise takes that's too subtle, I think. They'll they'll tell you when they know what's going on, I think. See, that that would have been something too, is if like at the at the end she realized that, you know, he didn't get anything off of rubbing up on that Zindi weapon thing. But the book that he let her have has some oh, piece of knowledge in it. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. That but makes sense. Whatever. Latte Librarian gives it two secret graves out of five. Uh, next comment is Eric Santorum. All he had to do was say, my parents, and it wouldn't have been creepy. Mm-hmm. Who are these dead people? Oh, it's my parents. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, that's true. Instead of, it's all my older friends. <laughs> it's the older slaves that I kept here for company that I want you to become as well. He should have said it was his parents. No reason not to. Or dogs or something. Whatever the most sympathetic answer is. If you live in 400 years, he's going through a lot of dogs. He's going through through hundreds of dogs. Eric Santuan says, Beauty and the Beast, Trek style. I know what they're going for. Uh, I know they're going for a Cocteau. Cocteau? I think that's the writer's name. But with its cheesy Mm. Disney castle lair, this is more like a discarded episode of Once Upon a Time. Good on them for giving Linda Park more to do because she's a likable actress and a very pretty lady. But let's be honest and admit this episode is basically garbage. And it doesn't even have the decency to be good garbage like the sexy candle ghost episode of TNG. You really see the struggle as they try to maintain the episodic adventure of the week structure within the confines of a season-long arc. This is the worst episode of the season as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Hmm. We'll get to that shortly in a second. We'll Mm. see if that holds up for your opinion as well. Point extra G says, is this the same ghost that Dr. Crusher was banging? It definitely seemed that way with him creeping around in the first act. There's a bit of a comparison to Sub Rosa that they do try to create some of the same gothic romance novel vibes. Hoshi running around in a slinky dress definitely is an attempt to further that feel. This attempt fares better than the last as I kind of sympathize with a guy who's just desperate because he's lonely. Somehow this manages to push the Zindi arc along, which continues the trend of the season. Sexy ghost is much more believable than, than this sad. one sad alien man in castle yeah i think i prefer Much sub more rosa to anyway. this episode but sub rosa i unironically one of my favorite episodes yeah. of tng <laughs> it's more fun if anything than this uh quality is yeah 
Kyle Barrett says, Exile, Hoshi now seems to be the Crusher Troy character of the show, being given any romantic or odd sci-fi plot that doesn't fit a specific character. The loneliness aspect might actually fit Reed better, but there's no way they were making that episode in the early 2000s, even though he'd definitely be tempted by the pineapple <laughs> the pineapple pizza. Um <laughs> While it's flawed and the ethical aspects of Hoshi being made to stay with Tarkin in, re- in return for information remain surface level, this certainly isn't Mad Men's The Other Woman, I have to admit I do enjoy this one if only because I like seeing Hoshi on screen for once. It's well directed with an intriguing amount of focus placed on mirrors and reflections for reasons that I'm too lazy to analyze. And it's fun seeing Maurice Sterling as Tarkin, who I previously had only known as Max from Homeland. Three out of five. And then final... Yeah, co- she's... I was just going to say, it's it's it's... <clears throat> it's a bummer they don't give her more to do in the show because she's pretty good. I mean, she's not unbelievable. She's she's fine, but she's they really don't give her much to do. No, in the show. She and she and Mayweather are not weak links. I think we've said this probably right. in the first season. Yeah. It's not like you see them and you're like, oh man, like this is clearly why they abandoned these actors because they just right. can't do it. Yeah. They're fine in everything that they're in. They just aren't given any at bats. And we talked about before. I. I I have to chalk that up to the fact it's what we talked about in First Flight, where like if you had an extended period of the show where those characters had to be developed and like the show was on Earth and you had to develop these characters before they went mm-hmm. into space, you just have a better idea of what they're supposed to be because their their show Bible blurbs of he's a boomer, like a space boomer, and she speaks a lot of languages doesn't give you any what yeah. are you supposed to do with that? That's nothing. Groffler John Zorn says, Exile. Well, that's an awkward take on the Disney classic, isn't it? I do like how the show is breadcrumbing des- disparate es- episodes together to make to move. I like how the show is breadcrumbing, breadcrumbing disparate episodes together <laughs> to move the arc along. And this is way better than Hoshi's last feature. Hello, three. Thank you, patrons. Do you think that? W- w- do you think there's a weak link acting wise on the on the cast? Um, I, interestingly, I think it's, maybe this will be controversial. It's probably Blaylock is to Paul. And Mm -hmm. I say that only because she's the one that is frequently pushed and challenged the most. Yeah. And she has the hardest job as the Vulcan of it. But I think that because they put her into that situation and she's not a... Uh, she doesn't, in my opinion, doesn't fully grasp the Vulcan thing 100% in the way that a lot of the other actors have. I think that it shows up in her performance the most, especially in Impulse, that last episode where she yeah. was emotional and it just didn't come through. But the Mayweather and Hoshi, I just haven't seen them enough to them for, to see an error in their ways. Yeah. Yeah, I would probably agree with that. Yeah, because what Blaylock is doing is so specific. Like, it's... It, you're, she has to create that character and work within the confines of that character and when they but and you're right they do push her more than they do some of the other ones and if you're focusing on creating that character that behaves in a very specific way and then you're pushed outside of that box it can be a little bit difficult to try and rec- reconcile how you do that yeah and i was i don't think i mentioned it in the impulse podcast but i almost feel they're pushing that on her too much the where she mm-hmm. loses control of her logic. I feel that that's like, it's the focal point of too many plot lines for her. Really? It's like, it's not even being done in an interesting way. 
but well, I'm sure we'll come on to another mm. episode that's doing that. Like they didn't do it with Spock that much, you know. Like Spock mm. had the occasional episode where he lost control, but most of his was just based on his prickly Vulcan personality rubbing against the other crew members, and that was enough for them. Um, and to Paul, they seem to push her a little bit too hard. Yeah, I think uh, I think the only person I've really seen do it successfully is Brent Spiner. He's he just you know he lives and breathes data and yeah. understands how to how to handle that those transitions and stuff. Yes, yeah, yeah. Thank you, patrons, for leaving your thoughts about the 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 episode Exile. Thank you for commenting. Thank you for supporting the show. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. Clay, what are you going to give this one on a scale of one to five? Um, I, it's tough. Cause you know, as, as how many of these episodes have I answered that question by saying it's tough? Uh, <laughs> five out of five for the season. What is, this is the sixth episode of this season. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I just mean the whole series. Cause I was going to say the, the tough thing as always is with this is that there's nothing, you know, objectively bad about any of it mm-hmm. like it looks really good it's directed well it's acted pretty well the story's fine it's just not spectacular and it's not it's not great and it's not awful yeah so i i i guess it would be a two because it's not it's not bad enough for me to give it a one no and i don't think it's i don't think it it, it moves enough to be a three or higher so. yeah I'm, I'm gonna give it a two as well um Amy helped me with that. Like seeing, I'm, I'm just so, as you're saying, we're, we've seen so many of them that it's hard to distinguish mm. at this point. But she she really thought some of the plot stuff was pretty cheesy in this. And yeah. I think that yeah. I think that I would agree with her. Like the, for all the good that it does about the Sphere stuff, I find the Archer and Trip subplot to be bizarre and strange. I find Hoshi and her storyline having a lack of a point or being about that character in any way is a problem mm. with that plot. So... I'm going to give it a two as well. I mean, like she doesn't even learn anything about herself or anything, you know? Yeah. Like that's one way where you can get around the weirdness of the story is if it serves a purpose for her and it really doesn't. Right. You know, it's just documenting how she has to gracefully brush off a creep you know yeah that's that's what it's a lack of a point is what makes me think it's more about the writers commenting on like obsessed fans with her because it it doesn't have a point outside of that's kind of weird how people treat these characters on this show you know like Mm. that they they think they know them and stuff like that so either way i wish it had a better point and it could have been more sharply honed great direction though Thank you very much, guys. We both give it a two. Thank you, patrons, for leaving your comments. Patreon.com slash the Penske file is the way to support the show. All that stuff. Clay, do you have anything you want to say before we go? Um, We just had, I don't know what week this is, but uh, we've had recently on Rotten Horror Picture Show, we did Dario Argento's Deep Red. And uh, Badass should be coming back pretty soon with season four of, well, what is technically season four, but is what is known as the uh, new Batman new batman and robin adventures or something like that mm-hmm. uh which i didn't realize was actually created they they did it three years after the end of the, the first series I, I always thought that it was just a clean rollover yep but took the some time off animated series yeah animated series ended and then three years later they brought it back because of superman and because of uh batman and robin the movie came out interesting and unfortunately unfortunately so far we've been noticing that it 
kind of show. It feels it feels kind of like you know how bands have contractually obligated albums where yes. it's like they got to do the album, but they just kind of phone it in. Not to say that this is phoned in, but it doesn't have the same zip that the uh, the original series did. Sure, the the break makes it feel like a new show in some ways. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you guys can look forward to that. It's coming out soon. And then all the other shows continuing. YouTube, blah, blah, blah. Patreon, blah, blah, blah. All the social media is down below. I think that's it. The next episode for our purposes is The Shipment. The Shipment. Seventh episode of Star Trek Enterprise. We're continuing on in the third season. We haven't hit any anomalies yet. And we're finding our third sphere soon. Thank you guys very much for listening. We'll see you next time.